This morning to John chapter 17. Don't forget tonight at 5 o'clock, for those of you that are potentially interested in hosting a small group or being a small group leader, and you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, there are three things necessary for you to be a small group leader. You have to care. You have to be willing to share your life, teaching. You have to you know, be competent to teach and train, care, share, and pray for people. It's more a shepherd's heart. We're not looking for you to have a two-hour discipleship class in your home, but a place where people can be cared for and taught and prayed for and make connection. That's what I'm going to be preaching about this morning, about the desire of Christ for that. And so if you think you might be interested in hosting a group and could make it tonight, I just want to see your hand. How many of you think will be here tonight? I need them up high so I can know if we're going to eat or not. How many people we got? Three, four, five. Okay, we'll have sandwiches, okay. So we'll provide sandwiches for you guys tonight. John 7, uh, I'm sorry, tonight, 5 o'clock p.m. in the grill. John 17, verse 20. Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So he's praying not just for his 12 disciples, but for who? All who would ever believe in me through their message. I pray that all of these that believe in me will be just like one, just as you and I, Father, are one. And as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be in us so the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me. Why? So they may be as one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that, the love, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am, that they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Many people quote the Lord's Prayer in the context that it, it was the Lord's prayer, that he was praying that. And the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, was not his prayer, it was a pattern. When his disciples asked him, Jesus teaches to pray, he said, pray after this manner. Pray first in relationship, then make sure that you're praying about kingdom principles, and then you can get to what you need for your life, and then you want to turn all glory to God for all the things he's done, and that's a pattern for prayer. But that wasn't the Lord's prayer. It was him teaching the disciples how to pray. The Lord's prayer, his primary cry to the Father was, Lord, or Father, would you open the eyes of the people that believe in me to see that the purpose, the primary purpose For their time here on the earth is that they might live as one organism. A hand connected to the eye and the hand doesn't say to the eye, what what need have I with you? But together, when the hand does what it's supposed to do and the eye does what it's supposed to do and the feet. See, the eye can't get me from one place to the other. It can see where to go, but it has to have the feet to walk. And the hidden parts are more important than the smaller parts. But they may see 
that their primary purpose is to live as a body. God, I've given them your glory. Father, I've given them your glory so they can be one. I want them to be like we are, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in one, interdependent, intermingled. You can't see where one starts and one stops. The cure for the common church is true community where your life is shared, not measured out on Sunday for an hour. That's not community. Now, we can experience connectivity on a Sunday. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Sunday's my favorite day of the week by far, but it's not community. Community is found when you and I, when you have a small group of believers, not exclusive, because you can't be best friends with 90 people or 100 people, but a, a group of people coming in and out of your life where you live open, transparent, a shared life where what I have is yours. If I have encouragement, I'll give it to you. Can you imagine eavesdropping in on this prayer? And Jesus saying, help them. Help them not to live measured Christian expressions. Let them open the door of their home. Let them open the door of their heart. And let them open the door to their tomorrows and their past. And let everyone mingle, share. One of the best things I've ever done in pastoring this church is a very small thing, you may think, but it's a very large thing. It expresses the heart of me towards my staff. All of our offices have the same key. Which means you're welcome to come in my office. There's nothing hidden in my office. You're welcome to come and go because this is your house and your office is my house. Now, our respect for one another will not allow us to go in somebody's office and get on their computer and just snoop just to see what's going on and who you're talking to on Facebook or something, you know. But an openness. The cure for the common church is community. Do you have a group of believers where you daily, weekly? I'm not talking about your friend. And if you'll give me just a minute on this introduction, the introduction will be a little long, but the sermon will go by quick, so it'll balance out. We like to rationalize our disobedience with acceptable practices and think that people aren't deep enough to know the difference. My friends are not the same thing as my community can be because my friends are chosen and I am chosen by them based on being like each other or we just laugh together or we have fun together but the bond of Christ is you are my sister by the blood of Jesus and you are my brother by the blood of Jesus and my life is open to you my home is open to you my heart is open to you with what you need and I got it you can have it you can have it the reason we're bored and restless and powerless and anemic is because many of us, whether by choice or circumstances, we live in this drawer. And our house is supposed to be filled with noise 
and traffic. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. And if you've ever had more than one kid at a time, you know, it changes everything. Olivia and Isabel changed everything. You hearing me? But I had children before I had children. What would happen if your home, your heart became full again? You would have noise. You would have mess. You would be inconvenienced. And you would be filled with joy and purpose because you were not designed to live alone. Jesus' cry to the Father was that you would have interaction with all of these people and be one. So if that's the will of God, are we in agreement that Jesus wouldn't pray anything outside of the will of God? So if that's the will of God and you're not living that life, then you're living out of the will of God. I know our schedules are busy and you don't know this, John. Once we're done talking, Jesus prayed this way. And I believe I have a word for this church. And it's connected to what we're going to do with small groups. We're not creating a program. I don't, do, I don't, I don't like programs for program's sakes. But I'm going to do my best as the shepherd of this church to steer you, provoke you, bump you, push you, kick you, move you, inspire you to obedience. We have to have a group of believers where we share life together. Not based on friendship, but based on God put us together. And then you can't just keep them. Well, I found me a group and I'm, you know, I like them. Well, after a couple months, you need to find another group because someone else needs to find what you have. So it's not about me being comfortable and finding my little niche. It's about living a shared life and let God bring them in and let God bring them out. So I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the cry of the Savior. Let's pray. Father, you know what you've laid upon my heart. And you know uh, the challenges of shepherding a church. And I just believe that I've heard from you about what's missing. And um, it just didn't happen on its own. Uh, I longed for it too. And it has in, in small pockets. But I'm going to lead the best way I know how into this type of community and this type of life sharing. And I just pray, O oh Lord, that you would make this not a matter in the hearts of the hearers of, well, John wants to do this, or Christ Chapel wants to do this, and I ain't studying this, I ain't got time for this. This is what you prayed, Jesus. And if we can't do what you asked and what you prayed, we might as well close up shop. And I'm asking you to help us to find this place near your heart. And live this way. In Jesus' name, amen. We are to live in deep community, if you're taking notes. Deep community as our primary expression. Christ prayed for every individual to be fully immersed in community with other believers. He said, I'm praying for all of you. We know that's God's will because Jesus prayed it. That you would live in deep community. And you cannot have deep community by association. You must Share your life. What we do now because of our schedules is we dole out measures of our life. That's not what community is. Open hearts and open lives. Christ prayed that their union would be as deep as he, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have together. He said, I pray that they'll be one just like you and I are one, Father. That's very vulnerable to do this. 
and just being kind and high. I mean, you go in some churches, they don't even talk to you. But we think we've arrived because we have high. High. They were so cheery when they greeted me. It didn't cost nobody nothing to be cheery. If I open my life up to you, it's going to cost something. And he wants us not just to share life, but to share it in the same way that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit share it together. Christ connected the unity of the believers with the opening of unbelievers' spiritual eyes. It said, so that the world may know that you sent me. Now, this is a heavy responsibility. He, Jesus is praying and he said, if they are one like we are, then the others, the others, not the believers, but the others will believe that you sent me. When they see us living selflessly, joyfully, interconnected, then this message we preach has skin on it and they see different people, not just one life, but they see the lawyer sitting next to the person that delivers pizza and the single mama with four kids by herself with the older couple that's brought her into their home because they have room and they're sharing life together because you need space and we got space and it's not about our comfort, it's about reflecting the image of Christ in relationships. Christ revealed that the purpose behind his glory was given to them so that they could live interdependent upon one another. He said, I've given them the glory you've given me so they may be one. That's a powerful statement. He's praying to the Father and he said, I've given them your glory. The same word glory that's used when Jesus is going to come back to earth with the angels filled with glory. He said, I've given them glory. Not so they might stand out in their giftedness, not that, so that they might preach or teach or lead worship, and not that they might be recognized as deep or spiritual. I've given them glory so they could live together, share together. You know what that looks like in a practical level? You come early and you leave late because so, you don't want anybody to come in that's not greeted. Guys, stay in the parking lot to help that woman in with her kids because she doesn't have a husband or a father and she's by herself. It shows up at the widow's house and cuts her grass just because you can. It's that connective interdependence that says my life is not my own. I was designed, watch, and given glory to share with you. Glory is not found in the uh, unveiling in the, uh, in the preaching moment. If I were to use big words and unveil the mysteries of the kingdom of God, there may be glory in that. But that's not why he gave me glory. He gave me glory because in the preaching moment, you would be edified and built up. God didn't give you glory so you could be healthy, wealthy, and wise and rich. He's given you his spirit so that you might break open. See, we polish the alabaster vase. We want to look pretty and nice and everybody to like us. And do you like me? I like you. And we just, oh, we're so impressible and we're impressing other people. And look how great our church is. And we're a white collar church and we're on the north side of town. And look at us. And God's got a hammer and wants to break the vase so the spikenard, the glory, can pour out on other people. What good's glory if it stays in a jug? We have this treasure in brass vessels, gold vessels. Some of us got them in iron vessels, so ain't none of them getting out. In earthen vessels. And an earthen vessel, when knocked up against a hard substance, will do what? Break. 
And in community, we can't live polished because we stay broken because we're weeping with this person, we're hurting with this person, we're praying with this person, we're giving of this person. And a room full of broken vessels has glory coming out of all the cracks. Glory. This unity will bring about an awareness of the deep love of God for his children. He said, may they experience such unity that the world will know that you love them as much as you love me. Time out. Time out. I remember years ago when I read this and I saw it for the first time. I still have not grasped it all, but this weekend in my office, I saw it in a way I've never seen it before. He said, in community, they'll know that you love them as much as you love me. John Wood, Lance Foster, Sheila Hayslip, they'll know that you love them individually as much as the Father loves Jesus Christ the Son. What would happen if your soul grasped, well, experienced, grasped, and assimilated the knowledge that you are loved? What if you felt like God loved you as much as he loves Jesus? That happens in community. Because in community, when someone comes over and watches your kids for you to go out or someone comes over and blesses you or lets you know that they've prayed for you. And I remember, the, and I've quoted her twice already this morning, but I remember when Mama Sheila asked me one morning during the very difficult time of my life. See, we've been in community for years, for years. And she said, how'd you sleep last night? I said, oh, it's all right. I'm, I'm okay. I, it was Better than normal, but it was still very difficult. And just in passing, she said, I was just wondering because I, I, I stayed up and I prayed for you all night long. I said, what? You didn't go to bed? She said, mm-mm. I felt so loved. And it was her, but it wasn't her. It was the father through her saying, I got people standing with you, holding your hands up, strengthening you, believing for you, holding out for you. John, I have not lost you. So I received her love, but it was she's limited in her capacity. You can't stay up every night. You follow me? But it was in the awareness of community that I, or it was in the, in the experience of community that I knew that God loved me just like he loves Christ. Just like he loves Christ. You know what's missing in our lives? We're expecting information to do what God designed family to do. If I just study more, if I just sing one more song, and worship has its place, the study of the word of God has its place, but I cannot find in the word what I find in the family. And I cannot find in worship what I find in the family. And I cannot find in family what I find in the secret place. But this is the prayer of Jesus Christ for you, that you would live an open life sharing your daily thoughts, goals, dreams, resources, encouragement, strength, one with another. And for those of us that are pride-filled, 
receiving the same from one another. You're so independent. Can't nobody help you. Can't nobody do nothing for you. You're, you, don't, you don't need nobody. I know. How many besides me have ever lived that way? How many of you with your hand up can say, that's a miserable way to live. I just can't seem to help it. There's two types of people. Those that expect, those that receive a lot and those that give a lot. Now, there's, there's some variations. But you were designed to be both. And until you're both, you are inadequate and incomplete. There are other people that don't ever serve anyone. And you need to quit being selfish and self-centered and serve people. It ain't all about you. You're not the only thing going. You're not the only show in town. We, we need to serve. And there are other people that you serve every day. And the idea of someone serving you just makes you uncomfortable because you got pride. Oh, I hit something in, didn't I? <laughs> and I learned years ago when the Lord opened my eyes to why I was hesitant to let people help me. Because I didn't want people to think I was the pastor that was always trying to get something out of people. And so because of my self-awareness, I robbed all these people of the joy of giving. And I robbed my soul health because I wouldn't let them love me. So now when someone wants to do something for me, like hang a TV, I say, thank you. Thank you. And then I get to do something for them, not because they hung a TV, but because I love you. God's design... Is for you to live in deep community. What's the opposite of deep? Okay. Jesus didn't talk about shallow community. He said, the same way that me and the Father live, everything he has is mine, and everything I have is his. You are called. Jesus prayed that you would have deep community. Number two, we are to live in faithful community as our consistent practice. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Now next Sunday will be my last Sunday before I go to Nakuru, Kenya to be with Pastor Hassar Omega. And by the way, I want to thank you. We had enough giving come in that it's paid for the entire pastor's conference. For all of their pastors, all of their teachers, all of their expenses. It's paid for the tickets. We are taking with us Uh, microphones. He has a need of microphones. We're taking them brand new microphones, XLR cables. We're going to take the pastor some suits and ties and we're going to leave a check with him. So thank you very much. Would you honor the Lord with a hand for that? But when your pastor gets back, I'm going to preach on this till we get it. We. We. Because I feel like if I hear such a clear word from the Lord and I just do one little sermon, he may be so displeased that he pulls back from us. And I've heard from him. I'm telling you, I've heard from him. So this passage is going to be a common mantra around here. Acts 2, 42, God's word translation. The disciples were devoted. Say devoted. Devoted. To the teaching of the apostles, which meant the study of the word of God. To fellowship. Fellowship means, fellowship don't mean, you'll you'll see a church go, we're going to have fellowship, food, and fun. And fellowship means we sit in the same room. That's not fellowship. If that's the case, I fellowship with everybody at Outback Steakhouse all the time. 
Have you noticed you'll have a little lunch in the grill or something and you sit with the same people you sat with in church and the tables are for four up there and you sat with two people? That's not fellowship. But they were devoted to the study of the word of God and fellowship, which means partnership, having an associate, a sharer. They were devoted to sharing and that's not just resources, that's everything. Now I'm not talking about a commune, by the way, or like a, uh, what's the word? Where everybody lives together, nobody owns nothing, and Jim Jones runs the place. What's, we, uh, we're not talking about that. It doesn't mean we sell all our homes and put the money in a kitty and one guy decides where the money goes. That's not what we're talking about. But a share, devoted to the study of the word of God together. Sharers together, fellowship. The breaking of bread, which means meals and communion. And to prayer. So let's look again. Study of the word of God. Partnership sharing of our lives and all that that means. The breaking of bread, which means meals and communion and prayer. Guys, there's a time and place for everything. If somebody calls on you to pray at dinner and the food's ready and the food's hot, and you're like, oh, great God that lives in Zion, the corner of the north, and run his finger down the mountains and made brooks that ran it. Man, we're hungry. Quit. <laughs> we're praying for missionaries. The missionaries done ate by now. Is it okay to be real with y'all? Okay. There's a time for everything. When you're having the breaking of bread together, it's right here. The disciples broke bread. They, they brought people in their homes. They didn't go by themselves and go home and turn on their TV with a, with a meal all the time. They opened up their life. Come on, come on, come on, come on in. And see, here's the thing. We know to do that, we're going to lose the life that we have. But they broke bread together. Hey, you got any lunch plans? Come with us. Come with us. Come with us. And you lose something when you do that. And you gain something when you do that. You lose what you want and you gain what God wants. Study. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Let's enjoy a good meal. One of my favorite things to do when you fill out those forms, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I don't have no hobbies. But then I'm being honest. I, say, I like to go out to eat with my friends. I, that's what I, I like to go sit down over a couple plates of cheese fries and go, thank you, God, for this. <laughs> Yes, I'll even share with you. That shows I got the love of God in my heart. I'll give you some cheese fries. The breaking of bread. So look, we talk about the word of God together. We study together, systematic and just spontaneously. We break bread together. We worship together. We take communion together. We pray together. It's the intermingling of our lives. And fear Came upon everyone. Not fear like, oh my God, something's going to happen. It's, oh my God, what's going to happen? Look at this. As many amazing things and miraculous signs happened through the apostles. All the believers kept meeting together and they shared everything with each other. Okay, I'm going to give a little disclaimer and get back to my sermon. Look at me. I am not, I am not going to coordinate life. I'm not going to manipulate life. I'm not going to say, this is our program. Here's the flow chart. Here's how we have to do it. And we're going to implement this and we're going to be a community. You can't do that any more than you can coordinate dating. Like them. I don't like them. Shut up. You're going to like them. You're going to feel it. Did you feel it? No, I didn't feel it. No, I, you can't do that. And I refuse. There's, my spirit knows that can't be the way you do it. But I can coordinate the introduction. Of it. I can coordinate the push 
in the basic structure like you have training wheels and you, or you take the training wheels off and you do this. And I'm not insulting to you. I just mean this thing about groups and how you do it and let go of the bike and let it happen naturally. All believers kept meeting together. How many of them? And they shared everything with each other. From time to time, they even sold their property and other possessions and distributed the money to anyone who needed it. Which means this, in community, seeing your true need firsthand, not about just hearing about a need. And see, you're givers anyway. I can tell you about Pastor Hassar Omega and Kenya and you'll give. But there's even something purer than that. It's being in community and seeing that person who just buried their husband of 50 years and you coordinating that two times a week, the ladies in your group take her to dinner and let her be sad and tell you about how much she misses him. You sell property. One guy agrees to take something out of savings. Another guy agrees and a family agrees to sell their boat and they take of their wealth. And that single mama whose car died. Have you ever had a hoopty die? Not have problems, die. Fire comes out to air conditioner vents and you go, that is not a good sign. That. And you ask her, did, you, did anything happen right before? Well, the hot light was on for about 15 minutes, but I had to get home from Atlanta. And you go, okay. And the families get together and one sold the boat and one sold the third car. And between the 20 people in their group, they got together and they bought her a two-year-old used car with 15,000 miles on it and says, look, this isn't because we're good people. This is because the Lord loves you so very much and wants you to have glory happens and lives are changed. And we buy and sell not because someone put a picture on the screen that made us feel guilty because we can't meet every need. I can't meet every need, but I can meet the need of those in my community. And we share one with another. From time to time, they sold their property and other possessions and distributed the money to anyone who needed it. The believers had a single purpose and went to temple every day. They were joyful and humble. Oh, they were joyful. Because living in community created joy. And the joy made them humble at all that they had as they ate at each other's homes and shared their food. And at the same time, they praised God and had the goodwill of all the people. And every day, the Lord saved people. Listen to this. Every day. Throughout the community of believers, someone was getting saved and they were adding to the group. They were told about the forgiveness of sins. They received grace. They said, now you're going to do life with us. You don't have to always do life with us. It may be for three months. It may be for six months. But as long as you want to partake here, there is a sharing. And the Lord added. Do you know why churches don't grow? Do you know why your influence doesn't grow? Us. And please don't think I'm getting on to you this morning. I'm grouping us all together so that we might find healing and help in this area. Because God's not going to birth a baby in our system to watch it be aborted through malnutrition. Why is he going to give me a new believer if my home's not open to that new believer? But if we have places where I can... If I see somebody comes to the altar and gives their life to the Lord and they don't know nobody here. And I said, tell me about you. Well, I'm 26 and uh, my parents live across the country and I'm by myself. I know just the group. Introduce them and they accept them 
Not because they're just like them, but because they love them. Sharing of life. And the Lord adds to us. And I believe one of the keys, the two keys to the next chapter in our life is something the Lord did several years ago that we did wonderfully and is now in a state of neglect, and that's prayer. We put emphasis again on prayer and this community, the breaking of bread, and I believe the Lord's going to add to us daily. And the Lord's going to add to us and give us new souls, new people that we might love and heal. We are to live faithful, live in faithful community as our consistent practice. If you're living in faithful community, let me just read these to you. You will diligently search out the word of God together, not just privately, but together. You will consistently spend time one with another. You will genuinely care for one another. You will be eyewitness to the miraculous work of God in other people's lives. You will earnestly pray for one another. You will faithfully encourage one another. You will give true accountability one to another. You'll joyfully celebrate one another. You will learn to lean upon one another. You will inwardly delight in one another. Let let me just pause right there. And I just want to humble myself and tell you one of my frustrations and weaknesses as your pastor. You know me very well. You hear my stories, you know my wife's names, you know my kids' names, you know my dog's names, you know what year I got saved, you know all this because you hear me talk all the time. It's kind of like seeing someone on TV all the time and you know all about them and you feel this connection with them and then you're disappointed because they don't know you as well. And I don't recognize your third child and you get offended with me because I don't have the capacity to know all of you. And instead of folding our arms and saying, he doesn't care, or they don't care, if you lived in a community, everyone would know your life because you share it with them. God didn't design it for a pastor, a bishop, a vicar, or a pope to run the thing. I'm just a local shepherd. And this is what's missing in some of your lives. I can't give you what a community can give you. And you can't find community in 900. You know what this place is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a bunch of communities coming together on Sunday to celebrate our community that we have during the week. We come together and we have teaching and we have preaching, we have worship, and we just have it together collectively. It's like the kids coming home for Thanksgiving every week. And there's encouragement for the teachers and the leaders. I can't celebrate. Just, let me just give you, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Let me give you this, okay? You send me your kid's graduation invitation. Do you know what my pitfall is? If I celebrate one, just one, and forget the other one, hell hath no fury like a scorned church member. I just want you to know that I've been to this church since day one. I have never asked one thing. And it was okay you forgot my first babies. But Mildred's baby, you wrote her on Facebook and said, congratulations. I read it. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. I don't ever do this kind of stuff. I'm letting you in on little secrets. And then my third baby who struggled so much physically, and you didn't come to the hospital either, but I forgave you. I forgave you. She graduated 
And you didn't send her a note either. I'm deeply hurt with you. Now, I said that cutting up. Let me tell you the reality. You're expecting me to do for you what your community of believers ought to be doing with you and celebrate your kids because they know your kids. They eat with your kids. They pray with your kids. They share life with your kids. I can't keep up with my kids. I'm not going to keep up with your kids. Pray for your 51-year-old pastor. These babies are walking. They're doing that. Anything within reach. And you didn't tell me. You told me you love me, but you didn't tell me that they have an innate ability of knowing what they're not supposed to have. You can have 15 toys on the floor, and if there's a bottle of ointment or salve, they go right for that. Break off the lid and suck it down. You have to. You didn't tell me. If you live in community, you have people celebrating you, not because you wrote them and told them, but they know your life. You lean upon one another. You inwardly delight in one another. You humbly serve one another. You freely weep with one another. You generously give to one another. You meekly receive from one another. We are to live in faithful community. Do you really want your pastor to show up? Just, just hear me out. I'm not trying to get out of work. But I'm talking about your deepest need. Do you really want me more? Let's say at the funeral home. To come and stand beside your family. That's my pastor. And I'm glad to be there for you. Do you want me more than the person that knows every one of your children's names, knows your mom, has prayed and fasted for you, and that person that weeps with you because they know you? I am an imitation in that moment compared to the people you do life with. And we're shortchanging ourselves. I will be there for you, but I'm not who you need. I'll preach the eulogy for you, but you need those people that pray with you through the whole sickness. So we weep with those that weep. We dance with those that dance. We do life together as a family. And thirdly and finally, we're to live in loving community. I hope you're writing this down. In loving community as a primary goal. It is in a loving community where our three deepest needs are met. To love and be loved. To know and be known. And to serve and be served. Listen to me. To love and be loved. To know and be known. And to serve and be served. That is very limited because of the design of a Sunday morning. How can I know you on a Sunday morning? I'm just preaching to you. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. I'm teaching you, training you, inspiring you. I can't know you here. I can't really serve you here. But in a group, you not only can know other people, but you can be known. You can not only serve other people, but you can be served. And you can not only love other people, but you can be loved. And in the same way, you need teaching You need this so much so that Jesus prayed that you would experience it. It's in a loving community where self is dethroned. I can't live selfish if I'm living with you. It's in a loving community where pride is replaced with humility and where we have our truest taste of the world to come. If our musician would come, please. Do you really think heaven... And listen... Please hear this in context. I I don't have any time for the people that bash the local church and the meeting on Sunday morning. This is critical. 
It's important. It's therapeutic. It's, it's life-giving. It's how God designed us to live. But listen to this. This is not the truest taste of what heaven is. Heaven is going to be a long hello where you're known. And we live together and we work together and we serve together. Heaven is going to be community. The family that has passed on before is reunited and we share life together. You're tasting here on a Sunday, but the meal is not in here. The meal is in your home. The meal is in your heart. The meal is how much room can you make in your life for other people? And how much of yourself can you pour out? It's in a loving community where we find complete healing for that which we've lost, for that which we've never had, for that which has been stolen, for that which we never knew we missed. And when God gets ready to do the greatest thing in your life, he uses people. People, not magic, people. People love me in his place. People serve me in his place. People give to me in his place. It is in loving community where we experienced our purest freedom. Free enough to let others in. Free enough to be honest. Free enough to be transparent. Free to be who God made me to be. How he made me like he made me. And to celebrate the uniqueness of you and me under the banner of his grace. Hebrews 10 says we must consider how to encourage each other to show love and do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some people are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. I want to speak to you very plainly. That's why I've written it down concerning this local body of believers called Christ Chapel. As surely as I know that God called me to start this church in February of 95, I believe God is calling us to this. Devoted to learning, discipleship. Devoted to sharing, fellowship. The breaking of bread, which means just eating together and communion and prayer. Learning, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Not just something that we add, but something we are. Our identity, our natural expression, our purest joy. As surely as I'm responsible to pastor this local body, you are responsible now to create this culture in here. You're responsible because Jesus prayed it. We're not going to do groups because other churches do groups. We're not going to do groups because your pastor thinks that's what we need right now to change. We need something new. I've seen it in his word clearer than I ever have. It was the cry of Jesus Christ that it would happen. How can I ignore that? We must do this. We cannot ignore the cry of the Savior and the cry of those who do not feel that they belong. Those that like our Sundays but don't know us. They've yet to find support, yet to find a covering, yet to find a family, yet to find where they belong. I believe I've heard the heart of God and he wants the prayer of Christ answered in this house. Not in small ways, but in a defining way. Years ago, I felt the Lord say to me, John, I want to take this church from being gifted people who pray to praying people who are gifted. 
And for years, prayer was a primary emphasis, and we will rebuild that altar as well. And now I feel like he is saying, the thing standing in the way of my perfect will in this local church is your willingness to consistently share your very life with others. So I'm asking everyone that's part of this body to be a part of a small group of believers. As for me and Kelly, count us in. Our door is not just unlocked, but opened. Greater time given, greater love shared, greater support offered, greater prayers prayed. This meeting tonight is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's not the end all. You got to host a small group. But over the next couple months as we transition, this is so hard for me to do, this part of it. Um, so I'm just going to do it. For 18 years, I've led you, not with a stick, but come on, come on. This is critical for us. You are as much responsible for creating this culture because it's the season than I am for pastoring. We got to do this. We, we have to be a part. So I'm asking as your pastor, if I'm your pastor, and I can count on two fingers how many times I've done this in 18 years. Two. If I'm your pastor, I'm asking that everyone in this church by fall either lead or be a part of a small group of believers. All it takes is three to start. Where I'm going to share my life with you. And you bring new people in, you bring new people in. And then if you're part of our small group here, you know, after two months, you go to a different group. Well, I don't want to, there we are again. Yeah, but there's new people. If we grow, if we grow, we get 15, 20, 20. Okay, let's start another one and let them learn to lead. This one needs to host. And this one has the gift of hospitality. I'm asking you, if I'm your pastor, to follow me in this. There's too much at stake. I hear in my soul Jesus praying for this to happen. And I can't look the other way. I just can't. So, Father, I preached what I believe you told me to preach. It's true that the people we hang out with are the clearest expression of who we are. And for some of us, it's not that we're hanging out with the wrong crowd. It's we're not hanging out with nobody. No crowd. Our life is contoured for what we want. Would you fill our home with laughter again? And joy and sharing and burden. May we fulfill your... May we... Father, I humble to even say it this way. May we be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Would you make our church an answer to Jesus' prayer? Fellowship, study of the Word of God, eating together in communion, and prayer. Would you look this way now? Can I shift gears and just... 
90 seconds and I'm done. Many of you have written me or called me and asked me about my trip to Kenya. Are you excited? Are you excited? Here's how you can pray for me. I'm not excited. Like, giddy excited. I know I'm walking towards an encounter. You remember when Jacob wrestled with the Lord? I know I'm going to limp from this. But limping's not such a bad thing if you've touched God, is it? That's what I feel like. Is I believe I'm going to come back with something broke. Something beautiful broke. So pray for me that whatever he has to snap, he just snaps it. I'm good. It's like a holy trepidation, but I'm willing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do it. But I know he's about to adjust something. Like, John, are you ready? You don't wrestle with God and not break something, you know? And I don't know if it's a part of my heart or my old sinful nature, but pray for me that whatever he has designed for this trip will happen in its fullness. That's what I'm praying. And I'm going to miss you, and I have a surprise for you that you're going to love. I'm not just saying it because they're here. My first Sunday, Drew Winters will be speaking for me. While I'm gone, I'm gone August 1 to 13. My second Sunday, about a month and a half ago, my wife said, would you mind if I share with our church? And I said, mind? Absolutely not. Because I'm not that guy that his wife has to head up WMs, lead the choir, sing, you know, do everything. She said, I, I, I want to, she didn't use the word preach, but I, I want to speak. And I said, absolutely. And if you've never heard my wife share, she is an authentic, powerful believer and very easy to listen to. She's the wordsmith. I use y'all and me and hey, and you know, she's very articulate, but you are going to be blessed by her ministry the second Sunday. And then I'll be back the following week. Will you pray and support for my wife coming to preach for you? Will you do that? Stand with us, if you will. Would you join hands with the person beside you and stretch across this place? Before I pray this prayer, you're okay to disagree with it, and I'm not being arrogant or adamant. Every person in this church part of a small group or heading, some, heading one up. In the months to come, part of a group. If the Lord's leading me this way, then this is the way we're going. Even if you're not happy about it, you tell your kids, I didn't ask you to like it, just do it. And I've only done this like once or twice. And it, even if you I don't really, just do it. And I believe the Lord's going to bless us with glory. Father, I heard Jesus' prayer in my heart this week, and now I pray it over this church. Make us one. Make us build rooms in our life for other people. May we love and be loved. May we serve and be served. May we know and be known. And may we be the answer to your prayer, Jesus. In your name, I speak it over this house. community, genuine, spirit-filled community for the glory of the Son of God. 
Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.